Hey everyone, my name is Dr. Dolores Tarver. I'm a licensed psychologist here in Georgia, and it is time for the TT Time with Dr. Tarver. It's a wellness-based podcast. It is not intended to be a substitute for a relationship with a licensed mental health provider. Here we are in Mental Health Awareness May, and we are talking about stigma and living naked and unashamed and all of the things that interfere with our wellness. And I have a special guest on today who is going to help us get our whole lives together as we discuss we do say gay parenting hiv aids and challenging stigma you all know i like to get going on time and not want to waste it by doing too much talking so it is my sincere pleasure to introduce mr tony christian walker tony christian walker is the alabama workforce equity coordinator for jobs to move america which works to transform transform public spending and corporate behavior using a comprehensive approach that is rooted in racial and economic justice and achieved through community organizing. He is a longtime HIV survivor and since beginning his work in HIV has always focused on stigma reduction in all its forms. He's got some great points that talk about in order for us to eradicate the virus, we have to fight the following poverty, educational disparities, homophobia, bigotry, and racism. All of these things play a part in the spread of the virus. People fear things that they don't understand, and he is using his person story and experiences to combat stigma, fear, and overall ignorance wherever it exists. There was a time when being HIV positive was a death sentence. Now, the disease isn't killing people. Fear is. Welcome, Mr. Tony Christian Walker to Tea Time with Dr. Tarver. What's going on? What's going on? It is so good to see you, my friend. Thank you so much for coming on through. We're going to get on into this thing. Uh, we know that there is a lot of stigma around just being a Black gay male. And historically, there's been criticism, discrimination, all of all that, that uh, that's uh, the LGBTQ community and the Black community. So talk to me just about, in general, what your experiences have been as a, as a gay Black male who is openly gay and, and unashamed. And unashamed. Um, openly gay, living with HIV, unashamed. So thank you for having me on, on your show. Um, you know, we, we, we've been there together. Uh, on this fight and on these discussions, and I love talking about stuff like this. But um, so, like, in order to to talk about that, I have to tell you how I identify because everybody you know into how you identify. So I actually identify as a man who happens to be black and gay because I don't like leading with in, any of my marginalized identities. Not that they're not worthy of um, leading, but like I think a lot of times people lead with their level of marginalization in order to get sympathy or we got a lot of people like playing the victim. And so like, I'm never gonna be a victim for anything or anybody. So like, I don't lead with my levels of marginalization because I'm not a marginalized person. You know, I have these identities, but in no way am I not a full, fully realized person. Um, but um, with that being said, I'm at, always at a constant battle with my identities. Like my identities are like almost diametrically opposed to each other. So like, my blackness has my Southern Baptist roots, uh, you know, the religious standpoints, all, a lot of, of that I've also outgrown because a lot of it was misquoted and mistaught, as we all know. But then um, I have my gay side. And so like anytime, you know, you deal with the gay side, it's usually led by white people. You know, a lot of people gave Dave Chappelle hell about a couple of his 
last two comedy things. They crossed a few lines. I'm, in no way am I saying that he did not cross a few lines. But then there were like some really, really strong nuggets of, proof, of, of truth in it. And I think because people don't like him and didn't like all the things that he said, we just threw it all out. But you know, grandma used to say, take the stuff you can bite and then spit out the bones. Mm-hmm. But like, fighting is, um, anytime, we just talked about this, anytime a marginalized identity intersects with whiteness, it could be gay, it could be Judaism, it could be Latinx, it could be, you name it. But anytime it intersects with whiteness, these people are, are minorities when it's convenient. Mm-hmm. You know, I hate hearing about a minority business thing and it's a bunch of white women. You know, you are minority in name because you're a woman, but you're white all the time. And so, like, that's the, like, the weird dichotomy about that. So, like, my gayness fights with my blackness because my blackness says my gay is wrong. And then my gayness, which is rooted in whiteness, says my blackness is wrong. And so, or not worthy. So, like, it's really a a tightrope. You know what? I appreciate appreciate that because a lot of times we don't think about all of those dynamics and how they intersect. Uh, because right. you're absolutely, which is which is why, like you talked about being a part of a marginalized group, you are so marginalized because of the things you just mentioned. And a lot of times people have this misperception that if one happens to be gay, one does not have a spiritual identity. Um, and, and right. And so and as you talked about in the black community, uh, we're we're very kind to you if you are a woman who happens to identify as lesbian in the black community. But we are most definitely hard on you and discriminatory discriminatory against you and say a lot of bigoted things towards you because you happen to be a black male that is gay well you know and that's because of the misogyny so like i've had friends who um i have a couple of uh trans male friends so trans masculine friends who were born female and transitioned to male and they will tell you a lot of them will the ones who don't want to play victims they will tell you that when they transition to being male that it was almost like pulling the curtain back on this little secret society that they didn't know existed. Mm. Because, like, there's a lot of male bonding. There's a lot of misogyny that exists. And, and I don't care what anybody says. As a society, we hate women. And I'm not talking about gay people. I'm talking about straight people. I'm talking about society in general. We devalue women. So if you are a gay man, then you're already considered lesser because you're not a real man. And, you know, and I'm, like raise too many real men's children you know for them to even try to play that line with me so like there's a there's a lot to do with misogyny there's a lot to do with the devaluation of women um that uh can uh <laughs> that um that we that that we that we really need to think about when we talk about that and i do think that's an excellent point too to highlight because of all of the stigma and the stereotypes that come along with being a male that identifies also as gay, happens to be gay. I like that um, that wording because I think a lot of times there is this perception that if you identify as gay, then you are less masculine. I've had oh. very heated discussions with some men about, no, that's not a real man. Oh, 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 oh or this, well, you don't look gay or you don't act gay. And I'm like, you didn't see me in the bedroom, so you know how I act. And you just can't tell people that how they look. So yeah, that's that's very true. It's, it's very true. And it's a problem for me. Because your masculinity in no way makes you a real man or not. You know, and I hate when I hear these misogynistic brothers talking about, 
Well, you know, he's a doggone punk. He ain't no real man. Well, I've raised about four kids that I did not father. Now, I have a biological son, and we'll probably talk about that later. But, like, I got other kids. I, I, I'm raising my nephew as my own child. He's 17 years old. You know, and, you know, where's your father? You know, I'm your father. I'm I'm your father, Luke. Absolutely. <laughs> you, know, you know, so like when you talk about real man taking care of business, I'm a real man who takes care of business. So, you know, and that has nothing to do with my identity. It's, it's all about what you do. But that's it. Let's go on and jump into this parenting thing because you are um, raising and have raised male children. And there was, we talk about this, this, um, this stigma and misogyny. The one thing that people always say is, I don't want a gay male raising a male child because of this fear of what that will mean for this male child in their development. So would you mind speaking on that, sir? Yeah, I'm going to tell you a little anecdotal story first. Okay, go ahead. So uh, so back in the early aughts, I worked at a radio station, 98.7 Kiss FM here in Birmingham. I was a sales manager for a few years. And there was a DJ, a female DJ, a single mother, who would bring her son in to work with her sometimes. And she'd just leave him in the lobby. And he's about the same age as, because I raised two boys, two boys. So Maurice is my second set up, so my second time being a full-time parent. Okay. So like I had, my, my oldest son is 36. So my, 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 my new son, my bonus son is only 17. So I, okay. I've raised children in the 90s as a gay man. And I'm also raised children in the 2000s as a gay man. But uh, so anyway, <clears throat> so I noticed a little boy in the lobby while his mom's on the air. So uh, I'm like, hey, does uh, he have anybody? That's, where's his dad? Is, is dad like, well, you know, he don't really see his dad. You know how, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, well, you know, I got two boys about his age. You know, I would love to hang out with him on the weekends. And I could, you know, and I had custody of my boys. Mm -hmm. So, like, I want you to let that sink in for a second. Mm -hmm. So I had custody of my boys, right? So uh, she like, fine. So I picked him up for, like, maybe a month. Like, every weekend, I'd take him and with my boys. We just have fun. My boys liked him. And so one day, it was a Friday, and she uh, calls me from the studio. And she's like, hey, I got something I need to ask you. I'm like, what? She goes, well, I got to ask you a question. I already knew where this was going. Because anytime anybody starts that conversation with mm -hmm. me, I already know. You already know. Yeah. So she said, well, somebody said that I really knew where it was going. Mm. I'm like, somebody said what? Well, somebody said you were gay. I'm like, I am. Well, how come you didn't tell me? Because I don't want to plan on having sex with you. But you hang out with my son. I said, I'm not planning on having sex with him either. Well, I'm not saying that. But you are saying but that. But you are saying that. You're implying that. I'm a that. gay man with a younger, a young boy. That obviously, I'm also a pedophile. Clearly, because those two go together. Clearly, because those go together, right? So I was like, I, I, I don't see the point in telling you my private business like that. Well, I mean, I understand. I understand. So I'm like, well, are you okay with that? Yeah, I'm okay. I never saw that little boy again. I, don't yeah, know I was about happened. to say, yeah. Clearly, you're not okay because we wouldn't be having this conversation. We wouldn't have had this conversation. You know, whereas my best friend who has a young, who had a younger child at the time, I've been around KD my whole life. He calls me Uncle Tony. He's straight as an arrow, which also I'm a grandparent. So it wasn't like the gay agenda was to take these two straight boys and make them gay. The, the agenda is to take these kids and let them be who they're going to be. Because, and have somebody uh, in their life who loves right. them unconditionally. Right, because, because contrary to popular belief, gay people aren't trying to make straight kids gay. Straight people are trying to make gay kids straight. But we don't talk about that. Mm. They got even whole conversions where you literally traumatize a child out of their sexuality because you don't think it's right. 
psychology has been a part of that, unfortunately, in our unfortunately, history. Unfortunately, unfortunately, mm-hmm. but you know, but it, but it is what it is. So like, yeah. So like, back to being a parent. Um, being a parent the first time was fun. <laughs> uh, I had my oldest son was born when I was nineteen, so we kind of grew up together. When he and uh, his brother were um, nine and seven, I actually got custody of them. So I had custody of them for like seven years, uh, which was, a, it was, a, it was, a, let me also say this, brothers who complain about child support, y'all need to shut up. Because child support is nothing when you got your freedom and your your peace of mind. Like you can go wherever you want to go and they ain't got to worry about no babysitter. Shut up about that child support. Just shut up about it and pay it. And I don't care what she do with it, pay that damn child support. But like being, a, it was fun. Like my um my, my boys were were they were they were boys they both played sports mm-hmm. uh, football basketball my youngest son had a uh, football scholarship my sexuality had nothing to do with the way I was raising it mm-hmm. you know and and I at no time like you should go on be gay like we we don't we don't do that you don't, don't have those conversations <laughs> right like that's not a conversation but you know but that's what we are right now yeah in society where the yeah. people who are actually doing the messed up stuff mm-hmm. are accusing. The people who aren't, right. and we see it all the time. Think about yeah. Madison Cawthorn, the Republican who, mm. who who spilled the tea on the orgies that the Republican mm-hmm. elected officials are having. They mm-hmm. they pretty much drawn him out, but that's been going on for a while. It's documented. Yeah, yes. but that's what they but that's what they're accusing of the Democrats of. Right. The stuff it, that you're doing, absolutely. and that's the same thing straight people do to us. Like y'all right. accusing us of the stuff that y'all are doing. We ain't trying uh, to talk about the children. There is right, no gay right. agenda. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, but I, but I think it's important for people to hear that because there is this, uh, you know, I was telling you before I grew up in this little small town in Mississippi, there is absolutely this perspective that yes, you are out here and you are, you're preying on children. Um, and you are trying to convert children over to, I like the gay agenda. Uh, and, and, and it's simply misinformation, which is what fuels this stigma, let, let me tell you something else, uh, Dr. Dolores. I ain't gonna call you <laughs> uh, but let me tell you, let me tell you something else that bothers me. It's the fact that when you when you when you when you think about a child, like we're born who we're going to be, who we absolutely. are. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, you know, my parents were straight. My grandparents were straight. So if that worked, then there would be no gay people. Right. So like, whether you call it truth, whether you call it whatever. There is no one in trying to influence people into being something that they're not, you know. And I and I just think people need to understand that because somebody was I'm pretty sure who's somebody listening go, oh, I never thought about that. We do try to convert them kids into mm-hmm. being straight. Absolutely, that's what they Absolutely. do. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, but I mean, but being a parent, I mean, it was fun. it was fun. Yeah, uh, it was it was fun. Uh, I've, I've learned a lot. Mm-hmm. I think I'm a better parent now. Than I was the first time around. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think know, that's true of most parents. It is, mm-hmm. <laughs> and you want, and you can tell when they become grandparents because, like, grandparents and, and parents are two totally different animals. Absolutely. Like, grandparents like, oh, we close, and the parents like, go ahead. <laughs> and and it does calm you, <laughs> right? And as a grandparent, you realize the wrong stuff you did as parents. right, and what you matters. Know. Yeah, yeah, not, not sweating the small stuff. But you yeah. mentioned the custody thing. So I do want to highlight that piece because there is often conversation about whether or not, uh, uh, we'll say a gay male should be able to get custody of male children. You mentioned that you got custody. Did it ever come up? Not that it was relevant to your parenting, but did it ever oh, yeah. come up in oh, that yeah. process? Look, uh, I actually wrote, I wrote a book about it. Like, here, here it goes. Here it goes. 
Uh, in, in my in my book, I saw I wrote a book about two years ago called "Walking in Truth Fatherhood." Shameless plug. It's on Amazon. Uh, uh, not shameless because we've already gonna talk about it. So. All right, but um, but in the book, I talk about how my uh, son's mom was not really doing right by them. She had this boyfriend. They were always going different places. She would always leave them at home. My older son was not doing well in school. They actually had him in special ed, like mm. just because she didn't want to be a parent, right? Mm. And so when I and, and if any of her relatives are listening, this is gonna be kind of shocking if y'all didn't read read the book. But like when she gave me custody of the like, so I knew she wasn't taking care of them when she was supposed to. Mm. Like literally, the, the oldest child was failing as a student. And every year she would call me around the last part of the year, like, hey, could you come help him with his homework? And because the, the teacher said, if his grades don't pick up, then he's going to fail. So I go and do what I need to do. He, he get past the next grade. So one summer, me and my partner at that time, I was like, well, can I keep the boys for the summer? And she was like, well, you're going to stop the child support money? And I'm like, no, uh, you can keep the child support money. I just want to like have a chance to raise my boy. So they stayed with us the whole summer. At the end of the summer, I asked her, I'm like, this has been great. Like, what, what about me being the primary? Because she really did not have time. She mm -hmm. did not have time. Uh-uh, I don't want you to keep me causing your lifestyle. And I'm like, well, bitch, I'm glad you brought that up. <laughs> my lifestyle has nothing to do with my kids. And mm -hmm. I don't consider being gay a lifestyle. It's just who I am, you know. And, and so, like, she was like, well, I don't, mm -mm. And my mother, talk about religion. Mm -hmm. My mother, she told me, she said, Tony, she said, be still and let God watch your battles. And I'm not ultra, ultra religious, but I do know the power of prayer mm -hmm. in context. I mean, people think they can pray and stop rain and stop all these guns. That ain't going to work. But like, literally, I prayed about it. Mm -hmm. And the Lord's like, literally, New Year's Eve of that following year, she called me out the blue. Mm -hmm. She said, um... Come get them. I'm like, come get who? Come get the boys. I'm like, why? They don't want to do anything that I say, and I'm just tired. Come get them. I said, wait. I said, now, if I come get them, we have to do this right through the courts. Because even when the, I put myself in child support just because I didn't want no crap. Because mm -hmm. she was, I was paying child support when the person was born, and she was getting aid for families with dependent kids. And I'm like, and they wanted me to pay that back. I'm like, I'm paying child support. Like, why well, I got to pay this too? Mm -hmm. But anyway, that's what I don't want. So I told her we go and do it legally. So we went, got, went through the custody change and I had custody of the other boy. She didn't pay me not once in the child support the whole time I had them. Because had she had to, she wouldn't have given me custody of them. Yeah. So I took care of them by myself with no help until they got big enough to take care of themselves. And then all of a sudden she started planning stuff in their heads and they went back with her. Mm. And of course, when they went back, I had to start paying child support again. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Yes, because that's the way the law set up. Now, literally, I took care of them because I wanted to, because it was my responsibility. Mm -hmm. And I knew, had I asked her for child support, I wouldn't have gotten it. Right. And I wouldn't have been able to get the kids. So in order for me to do what I need to do by the kids, I was like, screw the child support. I'm just going to do what I need to do mm -hmm. by my boy. Right. You know, a lot of people ain't going to do that. No. You know, a lot of y'all, y'all talk a good game. A lot of people ain't mm -hmm. going to do that. Right. But, but, um, but that's how I ended up getting custody of them. And so where did you all end up after this? So they went back and then... They went back. Um, she really just, they were on autopilot at that point. Okay. Um, you know, my, my um, I'm going to tell y'all this just because you want the book. My youngest son actually died back in 2011. And that's why I wrote the book. Oh. 
And um, but she pretty much just used them for money like she did me. And um and eventually, you know, I, I don't know if my oldest son ever caught on the fact that his mom was using them or not, mm. but that's what she, that's what she did. And we actually have a horrible relationship now because of her. And but you know, one thing I tell people, tell y'all this all the time on my Facebook page. I ain't finna worry about nobody not speaking to me if I know I ain't being that to you. Mm. And I don't care who it is. Mm. So, you know, he can take that and do what he needs to do with it. That's not my problem. I did what I need to do. Does it hurt? Yeah, it does. Yeah, I was about to say, I, I really, know that's gotta hurt. It, it does. But, you know, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna ruminate on it. I'm not gonna sit here and worry yeah. about it. Yeah. Because I've done you can't what I change him. Yeah, I can't he has to get him. there. Right. Yeah. And, I, and I've done what I was supposed mm. to do. And that's all mm. God is asking me to do. Yeah. And I'm okay with that. Yeah, that's some real parenting right there. When you oh say, yeah, let, let it's, go it's and let God. It's yeah. hard parenting, mm -hmm. and, and like yeah. I live my life like that. There are a lot of people who were like, "Well, Tony's me. I'm not mean, but I'm not going to sit up and run behind you when I'm trying mm -hmm. to help." You. Like that's yeah. what we're not going to do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what we're not going to do. Talk to me about like so. Let's shift gears for a second. Oh, plug that book one more time. Okay, Walking in Truth, Fatherhood. Okay, and they it's can get Amazon. that where? All right, all right. Amazon. Okay. Um, you mentioned with your mom um, and, you know, God and, and faith and recognizing that the church has not always been very supportive uh, when it, <laughs> I know that, I know that, I know that's putting it mildly. Yes. <laughs> it's still ain't. Yes, I, I know. Um, but talk to me about the role of faith in your life. Um, I'm glad that I have a uh, firm religious foundation. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and let me tell you what that means. That, that, that does not mean that I know how to speak in tongues and, um, you know, cast out demons and handle snakes and all that crazy stuff people do. It's just really just having a relationship with God, a, a relationship that I know that I have with God. Mm -hmm. um, I could tell you some stuff that, like, right now, me thinking about it, I just want to, like, just run and scream and holler. Because mm. I know what God has done for me. And I'm not one of those people that feel like you need to talk about it all the time. Because I think a lot of times people, I hate seeing people go out to dinner and they all grab hands around the table and red locks and bow their heads and pray for five minutes. Y'all just showing out. Y'all just trying to show people what good Christians you are when you're not mm. living that way. Mm. So, like, I'm glad that I had a really good firm foundation. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad that when I came into myself, Mm -hmm. and knew that I was gay, I'm glad that I knew that God loved me regardless as to what these people say, regardless as to how y'all want to misquote these scriptures and and cast people in the hell and tell people they're not saved. You know, so I I ended up, <laughs> it's also in the book, um, and I, me and my ex got married in 2009. And I ended up, it was just a whole bunch of mess, but I ended up leaving the Baptist church. Mm -hmm. Um and leaving that Baptist church. Then I went mm -hmm. to another Baptist church because I thought they were a little bit cooler. They weren't cool either. So I ended up leaving the black Baptist church mm -hmm. because of the hypocrisy that goes on. You know, they want to talk about people being gay. Y'all around here screwing the piano lady and the piano man. You know, but it's okay for you to do it. But if I just find one person that I would say I love, even though mm -hmm. they're the same gender, then also that's a problem for y'all. Mm -hmm. But y'all ain't got no problem with the with the pastor coming up with this 36-year-old son, oops, uh, out of the blue. Mm -hmm. And then you marry his mama after your wife died. Y'all ain't got no problem with that y'all still going to give you tithes and offering. But if I say I love a man, then all of a sudden that's just wrong. God don't work like that. Mm -hmm. Y'all work like that. God does not work like that. You know, uh, and, and so, like, I'm just glad that I had that. Now, I actually... 
am part of another church fellowship, uh, St. Junior United Methodist Church. We're a series of house churches. We actually started meeting online during the pandemic, and I'm part of the leadership team there. I couldn't have been a part of the leadership team in no Black Baptist Church. Definitely not in a Black Baptist Church. Especially when they find out for sure, for sure. As long as you don't mm. say you're gay, it's mm. fine. Mm. I have a friend named Tommy Watkins. He's an Episcopal priest now. He wrote this book called Living Out Loud. Mm. Tommy grew up with my younger brother in Hueytown, Alabama, and he was talking about how he got a scholarship to Annapolis, the Naval Academy. Mm -hmm. And everybody knows don't ask, don't tell. But it's don't ask, don't tell, don't harass, don't pursue. So he got harassed and pursued in the Navy, and they put him out, and he sued. Mm. Well, he talks about this in his book. He said, you know, uh, when he was in the Methodist church, the bishop knew he was gay, mm -hmm. but just didn't want you to tell nobody. He's like, well, you know, Brother Johnson that played the piano, he gay. No, he's not. He said, Brother Johnson come to church every Sunday with pancake number nine and rouge. Brother Johnson gay. Not the pancake number nine. And rouge. The, the bishop said, Brother Johnson ain't said he was gay. So it's okay mm. as long as you treat it like a dirty little secret. Mm. But if you're not sitting around here being worried about what these people are going to think about you, yeah. then that becomes a problem. That's the hypocrisy of the church. And then you can't be naked and unashamed. And that that you how do you have a relationship with God if you can't be who you are? Most of these people are lying to themselves and don't know who they are. Like that's how that's how they do it. They don't know who they are for real. Like I, like the average person needs to be having a good therapist, a little cup of chai tea, and like working through your issues. But, like, we don't do that because in the Black community, we've stigmatized mental health. Mm -hmm. You know, I have a therapist. Y'all better be glad I got a therapist. Yes, we're uh, thankful that you have a therapist. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I know he look at my Facebook page and like, oh, God, I'm a failure. But, like, literally, <laughs> you know, a lot of people still don't know who they are. Mm -hmm. And and that's a problem, you know. And especially, you know, with the religious aspect. And I know we're gonna talk, probably going to talk about this later, but this might be a good segue into the HIV conversation. It is. So, so I remember um, listening to a radio station one Sunday, and this preacher was on there talking about how HIV is God's punishment for homosexuality and all of them going to hell. And God, and da, 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 da. well, we don't talk about the fact that straight people have HIV too, and it was nothing new. Um, <clears throat> again, with whiteness, when the HIV epidemic first started, it was just gay white men, but mm -hmm. there were black women and black men, Latinx men and women who are all catching HIV, but we just kind of focused on white men because, you know, this is America. So, you know, so like, when I think about what the church, and you were, you you were there. Oh, were yes. There, yes. And, so, and uh, yeah. when we yes, were down I in was. Phoenix City. Yes. And, and you know, and I and I know I pissed that one preacher off. Yes, because I, I, I said this, the black church has been at the forefront of every obstacle that has affected black people since slavery i said <laughs> this is what pissed me off <laughs> i said you know we know call and response in the black church if i say god is good you say all the time i say all the time you say god is good i said you know when the black people said help we need help because of hiv we ain't hear nothing back we still ain't heard nothing back Black churches are a problem when it comes to HIV. Because this whole message of hate the sin, love the sinner don't work. You can't separate a person from who they are. We all sinners. We all sinners. Come on, saved by grace. Come on. We all sinners saved by grace. So like when you when you when you tell your pastor that you have HIV and they put you out the church or decide they want to tell everybody, that's not God's work. 
Let's not a get violation of your privacy. Right. And so when we talk about HIV stigma, a lot of it is deeply rooted in religious religious dogma. You know, you're telling people that just, first of all, just because you're gay, you sinning and going to hell. But that's not enough. Now you got this disease that God has put on you as a as a as a punishment. That ain't how God works. That ain't how my God works. Your, your God, man. my God don't work like that. You know, my, my God does not work like that. So, like when it comes to HIV stigma, uh, like I said, stigma is what's killing people right now. Right. Because like what 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 does stigma look like? Stigma is like when you think of something, you it's just bad feeling. Mm -hmm. like, ooh, that's, that's what stigma looks like. Mm. But what does it look like when it comes to HIV prevention? It looks like me not wanting to get an HIV test. Yes. Because by merely me merely getting an HIV mm. test sends the message to people that you've done something nasty Absolutely. and disgusting that you Absolutely. should be ashamed of. Absolutely. So people Absolutely. don't get tested because of stigma, because Absolutely. of what other people may think. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. it doesn't stop there. So Come like, on, preach H to the people. <laughs> so like in HIV, you have like the prevention aspect with testing. Mm -hmm. Then you have linkage and retention. Linkage and retention is pretty much going to the doctor once you find out you got HIV so you get treated. Mm -hmm. HIV treatment is so siloed that if you're in a small town and you go into the health department, they send you through that back door in the bottom. Mm. We already mm. know. You already know we, where you're going. Yeah. So I got to deal with that too. Yeah. So no, I'm not going to. The walk of shame. The walk of shame. Mm. You know, we've all done it, you know, but we, but you can't go get treated because you're ashamed to walk mm. into the building because of what? Stigma. The stigma. Mm -hmm. So let's just say that you overcome the stigma of not getting tested. You get tested, you get linkage to care, you get your meds. Well, you open that pill, and every time you take this pill out, you're reminded. That's your reminder. That you're going to hell because you gave. Mm -hmm. God sent this disease on you. This is your punishment. One of the saddest things that I've ever witnessed mm -hmm. was um, when we were doing testing, me and one of my uh, <coughs> employees were at a walk. Mm -hmm. And uh, Andrea was like, well, let's see if this guy wants to get tested. I said, he probably don't want to get tested. So she asked the guy if he wanted to get tested. He said, yeah. Came in, and Andrea is just a cute little thing, just always bubbly. Like, I like her hearing her voice because her voice releases dopamine for me. Like, mm -hmm. she's that type of person. So about 30 minutes went by, and she hadn't come out yet. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, what? Where is she? Like, what's going on? Well, she finally comes out, and she's pissed off. After giving somebody a test. And I'm like, Andrew, what's wrong? Yeah, why are you mad giving somebody right, a test? She's like, you go in there and talk to him. I'm like, okay. So I go in and uh, I asked the guy, I said, well, Andrew told me the test was reactive. We're going to do another test just to make sure. And I'll let you know what we're going to do then. I looked at his form. And on the form, it asked you when was the last time you got tested. Mm -hmm. Well, this was in the middle of summer, like July. He had been tested in March. And he had tested positive. I'm like, oh. You already so tested see, positive. Yeah, yeah, I see you already tested positive. Like, why are you here? Stigma. He says, well, I just kind of wanted to be sure. I'm like, well, what did you get tested at? He said, the health department. I'm like, oh, they sure, sure. Like, you got yeah, tested. positive, at, positive. You got a you positive, positive. Yeah. And I'm like, well, well, tell me about your diet. He said, well, you know, I was working at some restaurant. And this is what he told me. He said he mm. drank some dirty water. Like it was some water in the sink, and somehow oh. he ended up drinking the water. And that's how he con contracted HIV. And I'm sitting there like, 
Like, absolutely. Okay, that's, yeah, that's like, a lie, but I'm going to let you Right, because I see where you are. I see where you are. And so I'm like, oh, okay. I said, well, are you taking medications? He said, no. I'm like, why not? You got insurance? Well, yeah, I got insurance. Well, why don't you take medication? He said, I just don't feel like, you know, I, 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 I should. Like, why don't you feel like you should? I said, if you don't take medication, you're going to die. Mm. He said, well, you know, it's kind of like, I see it as kind of like my punishment. You know, like when a girl gets pregnant and she got to have a baby. I said, yeah, but that baby ain't going to kill her. Yes. I was so frustrated. And that's not punishment, sir, but but I, but I his whole worth. Danny, I was so Ugh. irritated with him. Like, I was so irritated with him. I said, look. I said, we, I can take you to your, I don't, I don't want to do that. I don't want to go. I said, well, look, can you just, can I just get your number just so I can check in with you? Mm-hmm. He gave me his number. He did give you his number. Okay. He gave me his number and I checked on him maybe twice before he stopped answering the phone. And I don't know whatever happened to him. I don't know where he is right now, but like, that's what church. That's so heartbreaking. That's so heartbreaking. And somehow another y'all think y'all doing the work of the Lord. You know, and the sad part is I'm already over here feeling like I've been cast out. Yeah. And the one place where I should be able to go to be reminded that I'm loved, I'm, I'm always God's child. <laughs> no matter no matter what test made I may have had that was positive. Right. I'm right. always going to be unconditionally loved. Right. And, and then and you take that away from me. What do, you what do, do I mean? have? Because yeah, you know yeah. you got to talk about how people react once they un- they know that you're positive. So that so actually, I'm about to do a uh, a, a disclosure clinic with um I, I'm doing some um, contract work with a um, with a, um, a pediatric HIV clinic. So these are kids who were vertically infected. Who that means that they um, their parents had it and they contracted through them. Or they were young and just called the good old-fashioned way. And um, and so disclosure is really, really important. Um, you know, knowing when to disclose and how to disclose mm-hmm. and if you should disclose. Like, there are a lot of states, like Alabama, I'm pretty sure Georgia has laws that criminalize you for having sex with someone and don't disclose your status. Now, do I think that you should disclose your status? Yes, I do. But I don't think not disclosing your status should be a jail sentence. A criminal, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. People will push back on me, but this is why I tell them. I'm like, well, you ain't tell me about your diabetes. Well, you can't catch my diabetes. Well, I'm virally suppressed. You can't catch my HIV. So why I need to tell you my status again? You know, HIV treatment has come so far. Yeah, if you take your medications, you can't pass it anymore, even with unprotected condoms of sex. So, like, if I have a disease that you can't catch, no matter how we have sex, then I don't understand why it's your business on our first date or our first outing or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, do I think people should tell? Yes, I think they should. But like, there's a lot of secrets people hold <laughs> they don't tell people about. And people say, well, yeah, but that ain't gonna kill nobody. And nobody tell you having unprotected sex. No one's forcing you to do that. If you were raped, that's different. But you have a sex with someone that you kind of don't know or don't know or somebody that you know forever and you choose not to protect not, yourself. Not to be safe. Yeah. That's your responsibility. That is not my responsibility to take care of your sexual health. My responsibility is my sexual health. And so, like, we, we end up with that. So, like, you, you've seen this reaction with me as well. It's interesting when I tell people that I'm HIV positive, they like, oh, okay. 
But when I tell you that I'm a colon cancer survivor, that oh, that's just so mm. great. Let me tell you something. If I was perfectly healthy, not anything wrong with me, mm-hmm. and you told me in this one hand I got a blue pill that's gonna give you cancer, I got a red pill that's gonna give you HIV, I'm taking the red. You're gonna pill. take the HIV. And you know why? I take one pill a day, and I don't think about it no more. Mm. One pill a day, and I don't think about it no more. Cancer is some scary stuff. Like the minute my stomach rumbled around, way, I'm like, oh, did that shit come back? Mm. <laughs> yeah. You know, because you're constantly on edge. You're constantly on edge. Yeah. The slightest thing is not right. Mm-hmm. But there are people like that with, with, with HIV, like not realizing that you're good. You take your medicine, you are absolutely good. Like you ain't got nothing to worry about. But people have like made HIV seem like such a horrible, terrible disease that, you know, you got to tell everybody you got it. Oh, COVID. COVID. Okay. Now, nobody put no laws on the books over the last two years that said that if you have COVID and you don't tell nobody, you should go to jail. In fact, people were fighting for their right not to tell people their status regarding COVID. But let me tell you this, and this is how, how pervasive stigma is. Why the hell would me, if I walk in the room with HIV, I could walk around the room, slap a couple people, wipe some sweat from my arm in your face. Guess what? You're not going to catch it. You're not going to catch it. Yeah. But if I walk in there unmasked and breathe too loud, I could kill a whole room full of people. Why is that not criminalized? So when y'all around here talking about, well, they need to tell, but why are y'all not telling y'all HIV status? I mean, your, your COVID status. When I had COVID, I did a whole series of videos. I had I was COVID positive for a week, November 2020. Uh, why? Maybe the grace of God, I don't know. I didn't have not one symptom. I didn't have no fever. I had no cough, no nothing. I walked. I did videos of me walking. I walked seven miles one day. But I was telling people, this is my particular version right. of, of mm-hmm. COVID. This Everybody's not, different. Everybody. Right. But literally... If I had been, if I was contagious, I walked to a room with people, I could kill them. Why is that not criminal? But y'all around here get mad. I ain't made no deal with you when I walk into a room with COVID. But if we having sex, oh, we done made some agreements. Yeah, it's going to have to be some consent what, in here. Where we doing it? How we doing it? Mm-hmm, who doing yeah, it? absolutely. Yeah. So, but y'all want to criminalize that. Mm-hmm. But Ain't no, as a matter of fact, they did the exact opposite. They even went so far as to say, if I'm, a, if, if I'm an employer and I make you come to work with COVID and you give it to 15 folks, they can't sue me. Mm. Remember that? Yeah. So that's what, that's what stigma does. And when you really think about it, it all has to do with this religious dogma and you want to punish people because they don't look like you, they don't act like you, and they don't identify as you. Well, then if, like you said, if you think that this is a sin... I'm being punished for my sin, then you feel like only people who are also being punished right. should get HIV AIDS. Uh, right. The rest of us good folk, uh, whoever good folk insert will be, whatever that uh, is, whatever that is uh, shouldn't be exposed to, to this because clearly we're living an upright. Um, and, and, wow. and <laughs> but, but, I, but I do recognize that people have in their mind this image of what having HIV AIDS is. Um, that you, you know, you, you're, you're skinny, you got lesions all on your body. Um, you, you touch me. You, if I, if I drink out your cup, uh, folks, folks out here throwing stuff away, uh, giving people paper, uh, products so they can throw it. I don't want you to, right. Feel. If I, if I, Feel. if I 
shake your hand, if Feel. if I sit where you sat. Still. Yeah. Still. This is 2022. Yeah. Still. With yeah. those antiquated thoughts. Yeah. There's a lot, there's a lot of ignorance actually about, um, as I know you well know, working in the field for as long as you have. Um, that there's a lot of miseducation that people have because they're still holding on to um, again that to even associate with you. Yeah, but I would be punished. They, a lot of times they do that just to make themselves feel feel better about well, them, who they I'm are, whatever gay. you got. Yeah, well, you know, because yeah. people will say that. At least I'm not oh, gay. Yeah. At least I don't have H, and I can be out here passing on herpes like uh, is yeah, you know, brain. like Tic Tacs. But however, I don't have HIV AIDS. Right. Yeah, yeah. And so I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't get that. But that's what we are. Mm -hmm. And like again, when you add in the religious component, like Jesus was actually hanging out with the lepers. All the like, lepers. Y'all ain't doing none of Jesus. Adulterers, work. all the good stuff. You're right. Y'all ain't doing none of Jesus' work. <laughs> none of it. None of it. You know, and, and and it's and it's really just just sad. Do you feel like so here? You know, I'm thinking about this young man who presented drinking the dirty. Uh, water. Um, do you feel like there is, because we know that there are so many things that can impact a person's employability, um, because there was a time when you were asked to disclose whether or not you had HIV AIDS. Um, how do you feel like navigating the workforce with all of, like you said, all of these identities, HIV AIDS, gay, black male, all, all of the above, how do these things affect a person's ability to be able to take care of themselves? Well, let me let me let me also say this. So, like, I think I think there are a lot of external forces that affect that. Mm. But you know, the worst thing is the stigma that we carry within ourselves. So, like, you know, I, yeah, I'm a big HIV advocate and activist now. But like, if this was like 2007, we wouldn't have been having this conversation because mm. I had to grow. You had to learn. I had yourself. to learn. I had yeah. to learn myself. Like yeah. we talked earlier, we talked about people don't know themselves. Mm -hmm. Like I had to learn myself and know myself for myself. You know, so like I, th there's, there's, we need more education. We need more people like me mm -hmm. who are like, okay, I got HIV now with <laughs> Like what you gonna do? Mm -hmm. Like I got you ugly. Like I, I think <laughs> you're still, you're still gonna be ugly. You know, <laughs> so like what you gonna do? So like we need people, people, there's a um there's a video i don't i didn't see this so like if y'all are listening if you go to cnn.com forward slash blind angels one word um they did this small mini documentary about the work i did with mentoring younger people with hiv and i really said some stuff that i'm really impressed with but one of the things that i said <laughs> was, yeah like well one of the things that i said i think i stole it from somebody else was that people can't be what they can't see mm. So like, yeah, I did steal that from somebody else. But like, people can't be what they can't see. Mm -hmm. So like, if you want people to, to, to know that living with H HIV is okay, they got to see people living with H mm -hmm. HIV being okay. You know, you, yeah. you have to be able to see that. So yeah. that's one of the reasons why I do live my life in the way that, mm -hmm. that, I, that I do. Mm -hmm. But like, we, we really need to do a lot more to do something about stigma. Because I promise you, that's the that's that's the thing that's killing people. It causes mm -hmm. people not to get tested, causes mm -hmm. people not to take their medications. Um, it just causes you to live in this bubble that you're afraid to let people in. And the other thing that I'm that I'm that I'm really encouraged with, so like in doing this this um disclosure workshop that I'm planning for these young people, 
I want them to realize that you'd be surprised the amount of support that you get. And I'm not talking about a little, that little tinkling brass support. I'm talking about real support from people who really care about you once they find out your status. There are going to be some people who are going to be stupid, but you don't need them anyway. You, you, don't, you don't need them anyway. I remember my HIV coming out story. Uh, I had just started working for this AIDS organization in Birmingham that I'm no longer affiliated with. And um, we had gone over to Huffman High School uh, to, uh, to do an HIV uh, um, training and testing. And uh, I had told them I was going to tell my story. Well, I get over there and I realized I have a nephew who goes to the school and I hadn't told my parents yet. This is 2013. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I get to the school. I'm like, shit, I ain't told mama no. So I'm like, well, okay, I'm going to have to do it. So I called my mom and I told her, I was like, hey, I'm over at T-School and uh, we're going to do some testing. Oh, baby, that's so fine. That's so great. I'm so proud of you. I said, something else I need to tell you, though. She's like, what? I said, well, uh, I've been living with HIV for the last... 20 years. She's like, oh, really? I'm like, yes, ma'am. I said, I know you and the girls going to have questions, but any questions you want, you know, just let me know. She goes, well, are you taking medication? I said, yes. She said, is it working? I'm like, yeah, it's working. She said, well, okay. I know you were shocked. I'm like, I've been holding on this for 20 years, and this is what I This is right. Like, this is how you're going to respond. This is what I need. All so, healthy. So, so right, all healthy and stuff. So this is all around World AIDS Day. So, but that's how my mom had educated herself even mm -hmm. before me, right? Mm -hmm. So then we get the World AIDS Day, and I did this interview in the Birmingham News back when people read newspapers. Mm -hmm. It was about seven o'clock in the morning. My friend Chantel Mosley, the real woman, then called me. Uh, Tony Walker, what's this in the newspaper? I'm like, what you talking about? About you having AIDS. I'm like, well, I have HIV. She said, you done made me cuss out my husband. I'm like, what you talking about? So her husband saw the article in the newspaper. And like, so how long have you been living with HIV? All gay people don't have HIV. I'm so tired of y'all in that nigga. And he's like, no, it's right here. It's in the paper. He said it's it. Right <laughs> it's out of his mouth. <laughs> Baby, she called me and she cussed me out. And she cussed me out because she said to me, Did you, you mean to tell me you've been living with this? And you ain't talking about, you've been dealing with this shit by yourself. Yeah. You didn't have to deal with this by yourself. And at that point, I realized it was okay. Mm -hmm. Because the people, the people who are going to be there for you, they're going to be there for you. Mm -hmm. And the people who are going to love you, they're going to love you. Those people, they don't matter. Mm -hmm. We waste too much time with people who don't matter. Mm -hmm. My God. And since that moment, mm -hmm. I don't waste time with people who don't matter. I, I will dismiss her just like that. Mm -hmm. I would admit this because you don't matter to me. Mm. But the people who matter, they know who they are and they know that they matter. Yeah. Yeah. So that is a good segue into how can people be supportive, right? Now, I know everybody doesn't get the response that mama got, <laughs> gave you. I know that everybody doesn't have that real friend uh, right. who's like, how dare you be dealing with this on your own? Uh, yeah. Like we like like we don't have a relationship. <laughs> like I don't love you. <laughs> like like I how dare you? <laughs> how dare you treat me like I don't? Love right, you. right, right. Um, but how can people be supportive? You mentioned you know that people do need to get educated, and you already dropped a couple of ways that people can get educated. But how can we be supportive? The first thing is watch what you say. Mm. Um, people will say stuff like, especially in the crowd. Like I told you about that probate show that will never be seen or yes, heard from did. again. <laughs> Uh -oh. But like, like people say stuff without thinking sometimes. 
So, you know, sometimes just going along with the crowd. Well, I don't want to get that shit. Well, you know they say he got the package. Well, stop saying stuff like that. Because mm-hmm. you don't know who's around. You don't know what they got. You know, not only do I have to deal with that with that with HIV back, I just have to deal with it with being with being a straight passing gay man. Mm-hmm. You know, them punks, and I'd be like, ooh, can't send that night right around them because they might call me out. Mm-hmm. But no, but stop saying stuff like that because you don't never know when you're entertaining people who are different than you. So stop mm-hmm. saying stupid stuff. That's the first thing. Mm-hmm. Because if I if I am living with HIV, you're the last person I'm gonna tell you. Because I heard you talking about Johnny down the street. Mm-hmm. You know, but then when you do find people. Stop saying stupid stuff like, well, baby, we all see it in different ways. Well, you know, just, just stop saying that. It sounds stupid. They stop saying that. But what you can do is ask people if they need help. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, how are you doing with this? Especially if you find out. Uh, and, and also, people like to gossip. And like, I'm the person, one, I'm only going to say something that I can bear repeating. But like, people, well, you know, they say he got this. I'm going to go to him. Bro, you know they was talking about you got HIV. You need some help. Because if you do, I'm here for you. Mm. You know, don't worry about what they say. You know, you mm. go ahead and live your life the way you want to live your life. Take your meds, drink plenty of water, and don't slap nobody on the way to the stuff. Mm. You know, just being there for being being there for people. Mm. I think we have become so um churchy mm. for and not church, not and not churchy in a good way. And not like you said, not, not being of Christ and not being of God or whatever your well, beliefs not are. Only that, yeah. But not only that, we, we rely on too many sayings and too many things that really don't oh, have any weight. The trite expressions. The, the trite mm-hmm. expressions. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, um, I, 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 have, I have two friends on my Facebook feed who have lost children mm-hmm. in the last two weeks. Both mm-hmm. of them lost, uh, one lost a son, one lost a daughter. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I know, I know because this happened to me. People are saying stupid stuff to them. Well, you know, God has his plan. You know, God they don't had to make get their no angel back. Don't nobody want to hear that. Nobody's suffering anymore. Yeah, I'm nobody. Nobody wants to hear that. In God life, no one shut wants up to hear and that. find something else to say and stop blaming that mess on God. Nobody wants to hear mm-hmm. that. Nobody wants to hear. Nobody wants to hear that. So, like these little sayings that people mm-hmm. say, just stop. Just say, look, if you need me, I'm here. Come on, support. That's Come all. On, that's support. all you need to say. Don't say I know how you feel because you because you don't, don't, don't you don't you you have no idea how they feel. If I'm if I if you need me, I'm here. Mm-hmm. You know <clears throat> that's all thing I say to people at this mm-hmm. point. If you need me, I'm here. What do you need? Yeah. What can yeah. I do? Yeah. But other than that, don't I want to hear all this? I, I was listening to the radio station on the way over here, and they were talking about that shooting, the last shooting in, in mm-hmm. uh, Texas that in happened Texas. a little couple hours ago. Fourteen elementary schools and a teacher dead plus the shooter. And this man was on the radio talking to him. The problem is we need to put prayer back in the school. That's the problem. The guy was like, well, how do we fix it? Put prayer back in school. Prayer ain't going to fix shit. That is not going to fix any of this. Faith without works. It's dead. It's not going to fix any of this. Mm-hmm. God gave us five senses, most of us, to get off your butt and do something. Mm-hmm. Go to the polls and vote so we don't have these people not making laws to keep people who don't need guns away from guns. Mm-hmm. You know, go to the polls and people in your office not going to make stupid HIV criminalization laws while you let people run around here with COVID, kill a million people. Do you know a million people have died from COVID? A million people. Do you, do you know we still have not yet reached a million people to die from HIV in this country? I do. Let that sink in. I do. Let that sink in. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's what you can do. Make sure that people are actually doing what's right. 
But like, you know, all these little trite sayings, oh, I don't want to hear that. Like, ain't nobody got time for that. Nobody got time for that. Are there some websites, some books? You mentioned um, um, CDC.gov is always a good resource. You have uh, online magazines like uh, thebody.com, which is really, really good. Um, there, there, if you just Google HIV resources, most states have them. Um, some people have uh, age service organizations or community-based organizations that have people. Heck, find me. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like, call me. Like, seriously, find me on Facebook. Call me. Uh, I, even though I'm not working in HIV anymore, you know, people still know. I, I, I typically get at least one or two calls a week from people who either know somebody, they need some help themselves, and I still do what I can do to help people because it's still that important to me. Like you Which ain't is why you're here it. with me tonight. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, you ain't got to work in it in order to care about it. But, yeah, so, like, I mean, there are a lot of resources out there for people. But, you know, and most important, you know, just be honest with yourself. Like, like one of the things I'm going to talk about in this disclosure um, uh, training I'm doing is I need you to say to yourself that you have HIV because a lot of people haven't told themselves that they have. Mm. We're too busy, you know, putting on the face for the public and doing it for the divine <laughs> that we have not dealt with our own truth. Mm -hmm. Like walking your truth. This is your truth. Number one else is walking your truth. And again, if you if you need some resources, I'm, call me my phone number, 205-422-9855. Like I answer my phone all the time. I don't care. And, and does. And, and I won't hang up because people call me I know you didn't know this number. I know how to hang up if I want to talk to you. Mm -hmm. I know how to hang up. <laughs> I got not, an iPhone so I can block you. Not but a like, we, We'll block quickly. And we'll block you quickly. <laughs> you know, but like, yeah, just reach out to people. Like, there's no reason for people to be dealing with this by themselves. Uh, and, and, you know, I really need black people to step up. Mm. Like, I need black people. I need black people. Say that, say that one up. more time. Say that I one more time. black people to step up. <laughs> step up. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, because actually in the white, in the white kingdom, HIV is not as bad as it used to be because they stepped up. They stepped up. You rarely, you especially, not, and you know the the, the right wing crazies. They're gonna be right wing crazies. But like, there are a lot of there are a lot of, uh, of, of, of white people who were like, well, you know, I got I got cancer. They got HIV. We all good, you know. But black people, we we spend too much time trying to dog each other out. Because like, we have to, up. you know, we have to put things in a hierarchy. So I, I have to, I have to go ahead and, and and say, well, my cancer is different than your HIV. Yeah, yeah, because you, mm -hmm. you you asked for that, but you right. smoked five packs of cigarettes since you was three and wonder why you got lung cancer. Get out of here with that. So yeah, but there, I mean, but serious, I'm 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 serious. Like, there's no reason for people to suffer in mm -hmm. silence. Yeah. Um, you know, and you know, I know how to keep my mouth shut. I mean, I've had people disclose stuff to me mm -hmm. all the time, and my goal is always just to help people. Yeah, yeah. Because you can protect people's privacy and still support them. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. and, and, and let me also tell you this. Everybody ain't got to know your HIV status. <laughs> like, I am in no way saying that you need to tell everybody your HIV status. You need to tell yourself. And that was an important point. Uh, and, and, and act accordingly. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, and, and like you said, now you say I am responsible for my own sexual health. Mm -hmm. And so me, part of me being responsible for my own sexual health is acknowledging um, what I have going on with my sexual health, right. but also doing the things that are going to protect the people that I love absolutely. and care about. And, right? and yourself. 
and myself. Exactly. Exactly. But you, you mentioned that you, you've, you've come a long way. Uh, you know, it's funny. You're like, I was 20 years in the game before I told my mama, uh, <laughs> uh, but, but the, the mental health component of that is if I acknowledge it, if I say it out loud, it's real. It and then is, what? It is, but here's the other thing. Mm-hmm. And this is what I tell people. You can't tell it but once and I can tell it better than you. Mm-hmm. So while we sitting around here, like I was for 20 years, open a prayer and nobody found out. Mm. You know, I had myself in this cage. Mm. Nice, you know, protected space. It's right. Mm -hmm. So, like, and I've had people. I had this ex-boyfriend. This was so, and you know, in retrospect, that might be why my mom took it so good. But I had this this guy was dating, bad shit, crazy. And when we broke up, he went and told my mom and my two best friends that I had given him HIV. Now, keep in mind, he was HIV positive when I met him. But because you want to be evil and knew I hadn't told him about you figured like this was gonna hurt me. Mm. It, it, it didn't do nothing. Well, no skin out my back, but you know, I had to realize at that point, don't let people have something over you that they can use against you. Mm. So my whole after that, my whole thing was I can tell it better than you can. Mm. Mm. I can tell it better than you can. Mm-hmm. And you can't tell it but once, because once it's out there, it's out there. Mm. So you no, know, be yourself and live free and walk in your yeah. truth. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of, of walking in truth and living free, uh, you have had a couple of podcasts. I know they have been on hiatus, but we are going to be breathing some life. So talk to the people about what you have coming forward. So um, I'm about to jumpstart my podcast again. Um, so the first one we did was called uh, Same Crap Different Day. You can find it on most of the, uh, the podcast platforms, uh, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitch is, is there. And it was really, uh, it started with me, my friend Derek and Rashad, as three black men who were the same but different. We were all black. No, at that time, we were probably all under 40, but Rashad was straight. I was a much older gay than Derek. And we realized that we all have the same problems, just same crap, different day. So that started, we ended up, um, Rashad ended up leaving and we brought in uh, one of my friends, Quanta May. And uh, Quanta added a whole nother flavor to the podcast. Uh, so her, Derek, and I have thought, have talked about rebooting that one, but I had another one called, let me say this, because with Derek and Quanta, I could never get a word in edgewise, which was fun, but I had another podcast called Let Me Say This, because I found myself saying, let me say this a lot of times. <laughs> if you listen to St. Craig every day, you'll hear me, well, let me say this, uh, but um, I'm going to re, um, I'm I'm reintroduce that one called, it's going to be called The Colored Section. I've already changed the name, so you can find The Colored Section. And it's really just going to look at Black issues um, in how we're dealing with it. Uh, it's going to have me, my friend, uh, Wendell, and then a guy named Keith Townsend uh, from North Carolina. But um, I just like talking about issues. I like educating people, and I want people to know that, that you're okay. Like, you're okay just the way you are. Absolutely. And we thank you for all of the work that you're doing. Thank um, you. Free of charge a free lot of times, um, but then <laughs> also the, the most of the time, but then also the, the work that you're doing where people do give you some coins. Uh, so I want to thank you for being on our on our show. Uh, our guest, Tony Christian Walker on Tea Time with Dr. Tarver. Look up for the upcoming episode next week, my transition story, Becoming Byron Omari, which will be Tuesday, May 31st at 7.30 p.m. Eastern. It's always a pleasure, sir. Always. You take good care of you and you be safe. You too, love. All right. Bye-bye. All right. Bye.